You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode number 58. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore Our Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And today we are going to be talking Daredevil Season 2. So, spoiler warning, uh, if you have not seen Daredevil Season 2, there will be spoilers. You have been warned. So, Tracy, what'd you think? So much better than Season 1. And I liked Season 1. I am not trying to downplay Season 1 at all. Season 2 just took it to the next level, as it should I think it was the perfect, it was like graduation. Now we're in college. Yeah. So, interestingly, I I liked season two quite a bit. I may like season one a little bit better. Is it because of the characters that were introduced, or did you prefer the plot? I think I preferred, I, I preferred uh, Wilson Fisk. I think that was the, the key. The the I think season season one was a little more of a tight, a little more of a tightly coherent narrative. There were a lot of there bad was, guys in season two. It wasn't some of the a lot of bad guys. There was a lot of plot threads going on. Yeah, yeah. One thing I really appreciate about the way that they're doing um, this sort of progression of Daredevil as, as a cast is that they're taking like. Each person is evolving into their character little by little instead of like you have the you you had in season one for most of it, Matt Murdock was going around with like a beanie over his eyes and then the do rag or do rag. No, I mean, it's basically oh. that actually is closer to what it means. Oh, really? It's a, it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a bandana, but oh, I totally thought it was a, a beanie. But anyway, no, it's, um, it's got a tail. And then he got his suit. But it isn't till season two that he gets his nightstick and it's well into it. It very and, and the same thing with Electra and the same with they're well, they're slowly growing into well, it's not just no, there, there boom, is a, there is a progression. A yeah. yeah. Unlike Spider-Man in those spider original spider the first set of Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire where he was like not Spider-Man now Spider-Man like he looks up and he's like totally closed whatever. Um, I, I liked this. It takes time to evolve a character. Well, there's that. I mean, you're talking about like, yeah, he gets the suit. The suit gets a little bit better, and he had he had Billy clubs before, but this is the 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 better Billy club, the the, the wire attachment, and yeah, the, the one yeah. that we see a lot more in the comics. Yeah. So I think, like I said, what, season one was a lot more. I think I think tightly knit together. Season two had a lot going for it. There were some really fantastic moments, but there were a couple of times where I'm, I just sat here and was like, so how is this? How is this building to 
building to the 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 the, the final to the conclusion of the season like wh- where where are we going with some of this specifically i think some of the uh some of the punisher stuff at the end of the season actually like i, I think punisher was really great overall and we'll get we'll get more into uh in, into john bernthal's punisher cuz uh, it was a, a, certainly a standout performance but i think towards the end it it felt a little like there was a huge build to a lot of stuff and then we kind of the payoff wasn't quite wor- what I was expecting. That's true. I would say that the last maybe episode and a half were the weaker ones. Um but in general, I would say there was a slight build up. Many of the episodes I thought, "Wow, this this is really good." Um and you are absolutely right. There were some moments that just sort of blew me away and I really wasn't expecting that because on the first season I thought, yeah, this is a pretty good show. I'm willing to keep watching it. Um, actual moments where I was like, yeah, hell yes, this is great, um, were few and far between. I had a lot more of those this season. Yeah. I, I think that's... Th- th- there was a lot less shocking moments, I think, this season. It was all. It was a little bit more... A little more superhero. A little slightly... I want to say predictable, because uh, there were certainly certain moments I didn't see coming. I, but I think I, I've read some Daredevil. I haven't read a ton of Daredevil. I think it's a, a lot of this pulls from at least when it involves Elektra and the Hand. You know, we get a lot of stuff pulled from Frank Miller, which I have I've I've read uh, most of. So I don't want to say it was like predictable, but I had you know I kind of sensed where certain things were were going. We also had a lot of um, soap opera esque pep tops. Pep, the, uh, yeah, pep talks. Pep. P E P. Pep. Pep. Pep talks. Yes, a lot of those. Um, some of them were good. Some of them were meh. Um, and the fight scenes were way improved this season. I don't know if I call them improved. They, I mean, they were they were all they were good. There were a couple of like really crazy ones. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me is after Punisher captures daredevil i think it's episode three or four and punisher's got to fight his way out of the building against the bikers and he's got yeah. the gun duct taped like the the, the, the snub nose pistol duct taped to one hand and he's got a pipe wrench with a chain on it in the other hand and he's just he's punching people with a pistol which is just that's that's brutal and then he's whipping this chain around like it like nothing it's awesome so there's some um, of that. Someone actually described it as um, whoever's choreographing the fight scenes for Daredevil must have been playing a lot of Arkham, the Batman Arkham games, because it does have that, it does have that that brutal Arkham brawler kind of feel to it. Another one is the uh, similar vein is Punisher fighting his way out of the Russians' cell uh, section of the prison, um, their cell block. That was. Ooh, that was gruesome. Crazy. That was so... Br- I couldn't even watch a couple of... Where it zoomed in a couple times. I was like, nope, nope, that's okay. Um, I will I will look elsewhere in the room and then come back to it. Yeah. But really fantastic. A lot fewer cuts used in the fight scenes. So, I mean, that just tells you right there that the actors are improving. Um, lots of acrobatics versus the ninjas. Yeah. Um, I, I think the hand is actually one of the things I enjoyed the increased presence of the hand. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I think the hand gives 
it brings a, a little bit more of a supernatural element into the story, which I like, mystic at least. The yeah. hand is a big is a big part of Daredevil. Like that's that it's a, that's a thing. Having said that, I think one of the things that was most appealing about season one is was the fact that it was a, it was it really was the street level hell's kitchen hero and i think the hand got away from that a little bit and kind of brought back some of the comic book feel to it yeah well kind of turning pivoting a little bit to talk about villains speaking of the hand out of all the villains i actually like them the least they seem given their numbers given their personal discipline the way that they're able to control their heart rate their control their breathing they seem so mystic and sort of supernatural they should be a lot more powerful than they are and i didn't get the feeling that daredevil was growing in strength i got the impression that these guys were sort of nerfed um that's uh, okay that's interesting i hadn't thought about it that way um, I was excited to see Nobu again. He was actually one of my see, favorite. I, I actually, I was actually like, really, okay, sure, bring back Nobu. I well, I like the actor. I guess I should say he, he has good presence on screen. So for that reason, I was pleased to see uh, him. And and I won't disagree with you with that. But it was like, the hand is a much bigger organization, and I figured there would be someone bigger behind other than Nobu pulling the strings, like. You know, somebody. Well, there back was that in... one Japanese guy, but he didn't have. He didn't show up all that much. The one, the business suit guy. Um, right, but he wasn't pulling the strings. Nobu's in charge. Well, I'm saying that they could have maybe gone to him or something, but yeah, sort of. There seemed like a whole lot of people to sort of pop, like the redheaded woman. They they pop in and out, and they were kind of there, and they kind of. I guess maybe just because there was no cohesive leader no no one single big bad it was kind of hard to now, get behind them as a villain what i actually did i actually really enjoyed the hand for a significant portion of the season really until we turned like super mystical because like you know when they're like when uh, matt and electra are breaking in uh, at the party like that kind of stuff with the hand that was really cool where it was really more they really were just more like a uh ancient criminal organization that yeah if they had stuck with that it would have made a little bit more sense um and it would have made a better pairing with daredevil yeah but but of you're absolutely right i was very pleased to see wilson wilson pop up again um midway through the season and make that, his that was that was a nice surprise um like you know I, and i would say just in general i think wilson fisk was a is a fantastic villain vincent d'onofrio did an, an amazing job we talked about that before I I think he may he kind of made it feel a little crowded in terms of bringing trying to bring him back in, but also I think bringing him back in kind of pointed out pointed out to me the the lack of narrative cohesion. When they brought him back in, it's like oh right, that was the bad guy from the last time. Not not that I had forgotten about Wilson Fisk, but like that's the that's the bad guy from last time. Man, he was good. I wish he were. I wish he had been the. I wish that they were they were that that good again. It, yeah, he he was. I I would agree with that. But again, he, his presence on screen is phenomenal. He is six foot four in Vincent D'Onofrio is six foot four in real yeah, life. He's a big dude. 
but I kind of get the impression that they're stretching him a little bit. I don't know if he's got lips and issues or something, but him ta- now John Bernthal is only the Punisher is only five foot ten, but in the moment when they're facing off, it looks like there's a whole lot more than just inches in between them. Although I mean, six inches in height is actually fairly substantial. If you if you really I mean, you don't quite realize it, but I mean six inches. It, it's a decent amount. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Punisher, who was Ooh. sort of a villain and not so much by the end, there was a lot of squaring off. They spent a lot of time showing the yin and yang. The well, they were they were, they, they spent. A, I mean, the first couple of episodes tap dancing around the two of them. You know, Matt was kind of looking for Punisher, and Punisher was kind of looking for Matt. And Matt was completely disagreeing with Punisher's methods and yet was sort of intrigued by the fact that Punisher's bad guys don't come back. Um, There was a lot of, that's not who I am. Well, this is who I am. Well, I kill people. I I don't. There was a lot. Character definition by comparison. Yes. I thought it was beautiful. However, I have got to say that one of the weakest... uh, arguments for why Punisher shouldn't be doing what he's doing is simply because he's doing it with a gun. I mean, they made that very clear in two or three episodes where everyone goes, but he has a gun. And I just kept thinking, so? Okay. Um, anyway, uh, there, there there was a, quite a bit where it seemed like the only thing, the only real thing they could put their finger on that made him different from Daredevil was that, you know, he shot people. You know, with Electra, I think that there was a lot more more of a difference. Well, she Electra, manipulates people. There's also I mean Electra lives in lives in the gray area. Yes. Matt Matt has a very definite code and Punisher has one that's even more severe. Yes, I would agree with that. Right it it, it really is it 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 shows levels of grade, gradient, you know, it Here's someone who lives in the gray. Here's someone who lives by principle, you know, lives mostly black and white. There are obviously there are some, there seem to be some gray areas for Daredevil. And then mm-hmm. here is Punisher. There are good people and there are bad people and there is no, in the, there is no one in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate those variations. I think that it's interesting to Matt, to see Matt struggle with his vigilante side. Um, he's got the side of the law. So let me see if I can find this quote. It says, at one point, it's episode 10, he tells Claire, the nurse, I thought it could work, the law, but it feels useless. Everything I do just gets undone. And then again later, he's talking to a Punisher, and he says, my way isn't working, so just this once. And then actually, for the first time in the entire season, Punisher actually says, no, if you do this, you're not coming back from it. And that's so... So it sounds so trite because it's used so often, but it's actually true. The first time that you look a man in the eye and you shoot him point blank, you don't come back from that. Well, and here, here's the thing. As, as much as Punisher may come across as a psychopath, Punisher knows how far... He, he's fully aware of how far he has gone and what he has lost to get there. He knows what he is doing is absolutely horrendous and is terrible, but he's doing it because nobody else is doing it. And he looks at himself in the mirror and he knows. He, he refuses can't stand to hide. himself. 
Right. He refuses to hide behind an insanity plea. He refuses to fake. He sits in court and says, look, I'm guilty of this. I mean, and granted, there was... I'm guilty and I'll do it again because it's what I think is right. Absolutely. And I like that. I like that clarity from a character. I really... He's a man of his convictions, whether whether you agree with them or not. Yeah. Uh, And again, given, given the back and forth between, especially between Foggy and Matt about what Matt should be doing as Daredevil, it's really refreshing. Yeah. So you had sent me a text message, probably a couple of episodes in, and you're like, man, I'm really hating Foggy. Explain this. Okay. Because I still absolutely love Foggy. I think he's one of the cornerstones of this this series. I I want to make it clear that I am not hating on the performance because I think the performance... No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The character was annoying the crap out of me because every time he talks to Matt about this, his eyes tear up. Like he's crying all the time. He's always complaining, but the biggest thing that annoyed me was that at the end of last season, when he finds out that Matt is Daredevil, he says something to the effect of, I'm so mad that you lied to me. You can't keep this from me. I'm your friend. You're not allowed to hide stuff from me. You you should stop, you know, keeping things from me from now on. So then episode two or three of this season, you know, Matt gets beaten up or whatever. And he, oh, I think it was... Um, he was all cut up and, and really injured and Foggy finds him and he goes, it's not just about you anymore. You have to think about everyone around you. And I'm like, dude, you can't have it both ways. Either Matt doesn't tell you what's going on or you're sucked into it. Like well, you're the one that has asked for this. Stop well, being well, such no, a. No. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't Foggy who was, it, w- that was the issue. That was after Punisher was shooting at Karen. That was, that, that's when Foggy went off on him. Is, is is Matt was acting without realizing that there are consequences possibly to other people he cares about. But every time Matt tries to withdraw himself from Foggy and Karen, Foggy gets pissed off. And that's the thing. He wants it both ways. He wants to be Matt's best friend, but he doesn't want to be in harm's way. Well, and I'm I, like, no, so I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, he wants, I don't think he wants it both ways, but Matt keeping secrets is putting them in danger. And then Matt not thinking about the consequences is putting them in danger. It's it's when Matt takes does things either unilaterally without thinking about the consequences, or he just he yeah I mean actually no that, that covers both of my thoughts. <laughs> you know when, when he does things either unilater- unilaterally without thinking of the consequences, he's putting other people at risk. Foggy is not saying that he doesn't want Matt to not tell them or to to, to keep them out. But he needs to think through what he think through what he's doing, and you know keep his friends in the loop so they so they know what's going on. So they're they're if 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 he does decide to take a risk, they can agree to it and tell him that they're that they're willing to willing to do it. I mean, there's there's several instances I think, you know, where 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 he does something. Had he told maybe not Foggy because Foggy is fairly risk averse. But had he told like Karen, she would have she would have absolutely agreed with him doing it. But she doesn't. She, he's not. He doesn't cut her in at all. And that's, yeah, but and Foggy. Foggy uh, nope. Yeah, but Foggy's fighting, fighting on Karen's behalf because she doesn't know. Except Foggy's that the only Foggy one who never suggests. Foggy never suggests that Matt actually tell Karen. He's it, it. His perhaps his heart's in the right place i just feel like he goes about it in all the weirdest ways also the crying really bugs me also the you can't be a vigilante because the law does everything even though he's facing down reyes and you know 
corruption of the justice system every day. Right. I'm just but, like, come on, man. Well, so part of that also goes to the fact that like like Foggy and, and, and Matt started this law firm in order to help the people. Like they have a firm held belief, or at least Foggy understood that they had a firm held belief that the system works and that you can help people within the system. Like the law, the law will help people. And Matt, by Matt going out as a vigilante, Matt is basically saying, I don't know. I don't believe that. Well, but he, after the fifth conversation, Foggy just keeps arguing the same things. And I'm like, dude, either, either figure it out or leave. And then of course, at the end of the season, that's Foggy's, that's Foggy's point is, is this is my best friend who, who agreed with me. And I feel like he has now lost his way. Like this is this is a man who who said who you know spent years next to me at, at college and law school and told me that this is what he believed, and now he's not following that. So either he's changed his mind, or Foggy thinks he just he's not he's lost his way, and Foggy's trying to bring him back to being the person he thought he should be. He thought he was. It, if if that's what Foggy is doing, then. And again, I, I have no problem with the characterization, um, but I think that he's arguing everything through the context of himself. Well, you're doing this and it's hurting me. It's hurting me. Well, and Matt's been pretty clear about what's happening. Again, you have to kind of put up or shut up. And of course, at the end of the season, um, they sort of make a split. However, while I did not like Foggy, Karen has grown on me by leaps and bounds. I loved her character development in this season. Well, character Karen is is has has moved from being a a victim, really to to being one of the main hero participants. Oh, she's not a superhero, but you know, from that from that respect, she's not someone they're helping. She's someone who's doing the helping, especially yes. especially in the case of Punisher, who she takes a particular liking to, obviously because of. The fact that she killed Fisk's assistant in season one. I mean, that, that's, I appreciate the fact that she never comes out and says it, but that it is alluded to the entire time. That, that you, I, you, know, you know exactly where Karen's mind is every time she's talking to, talking to, to Frank Castle, but she never just blurts it out. Absolutely. And I also like her character development on the personal side she has a fling a little bit with uh matt murdoch they uh, go on a couple of dates she clearly really really likes him um maybe is in love with him and then he sort of blows her off i mean in one of the most awkward ways possible with having another woman in his house um although she kind of, she she didn't overreact to that she didn't she just said I'm okay out. i'm out yeah i'm done like you can't i refuse to allow you to hurt me anymore um even if you are my friend like you here's a barrier thus far and no more um i still love you we are still friends i will still do whatever i can to protect you or to help you or whatever i'm still concerned about you but i refuse to be a victim anymore and i love that the, the other one i liked about that was actually not having to do with karen but foggy when he goes basically goes to the bar with marcy and Mar Marcy just calls him out. And she, basically, she's your type, and she's dating Matt. And Foggy's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's drink more." Yes, that was. A, that I, was she's a also growing on me. I really like her in this season too, even though she was didn't show up very often. Um, I also like that Karen took 
care of herself. So she sort of sees where the law firm is going. She knows that she probably won't have a job much longer. She still has to take care of herself. So she goes out and gets a job as an investigative reporter. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. She just, she, I mean, and she doesn't do it by walking in and saying, you know, I'm Karen Page, so I want this job. She actually, she tracks down some stuff. She brings it to the editor. He really likes it. And he's like, great. You've proven to me that you're good at this. Let's go. Well, it, one of the big questions a lot of comic book fans had after season one is, okay, Ben Ulrich is in, is in the comics for years and years. Like, and you guys killed him off in season one. So like, what are you going to do to fill that, fill that particular void? And I mean, this is what it looks like. They're going to put Karen in that role. Which obviously this is this is a change and comic book fans hate change, but I, I think I think they're gonna I think they'll be able to make it work. I think that these Netflix um, series from Marvel are are killing it on the strong um, woman s- side of things. I mean, as far as a woman with actual agency, they've got it nailed. I will say while I'm talking about the the females in the Daredevil thing, Carrie Ann Moss. So she just shows up very briefly, I think, in episode 12 and offers Foggy a job. Yeah, so so point out that um, Marcy is working for Carrie Ann Moss's firm. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, what's her last name? Hark, Hark, Harkner? Don't, don't Hark- ask me. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so this character is a huge player in Jessica Jones. She's the attorney that Jessica turns to in many cases to get... Um, some of Jessica's clients out of out of jail or whatever. Um, she had a huge role. She did a phenomenal job. I mean, the range of her ability on Jessica Jones is just completely belied in this one brief scene. And it really, I think, speaks to the effect that a director has on a show. She was phenomenal, insane. It like played a completely insane, completely pathological character on Jessica Jones. And she was just so meh in this one little scene with her. Um, also I'm, I'm confused as to what law firm just offers a partnership to a random low level attorney that just lost his, his case. <laughs> that just seemed like a bit of a jump. Well, because I think, and, and I was actually, this is actually the topic I wanted to cover next is, is the trial of Frank Castle. I mean, Foggy almost wins the case. Like he almost wins. And if it weren't for, if it weren't for Matt, him having Matt in, uh, question Castle on the stand and Castle losing it, it, it absolutely would have happened. So I think he demonstrated in what is basically the trial of the century, you know, especially for the, for the Marvel, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I mean, they, they compare it to a number of real life trials, OJ. Uh, Bernie Getz, which who's who's actually a vigilante in New York, uh, that yeah, you know, which so that's a, a fitting comparison there. They com- they make a lot of comparisons to those kinds of things, and I mean Foggy does an amazing job with what should be a slam dunk losing case. Yeah, I mean I I agree with that. I I, I did a, I appreciated the uh, corner office with the assistant. I appreciated the the high salary and so forth. And he's excited about all of that. I just thought that partnership based on one case was a little bit too far. But you know, in in the context of the whole sh- season, very very minor thing. Yeah, the the trial. Man, that was. I mean, it was it was great. It was a shit show. 
Yeah, Reyes. I, I have, I have no the- other way to describe it than than that. It, it, just, it was, it was a a a circus. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and honestly, I'm usually pretty good at, at figuring these things out. But really understanding the depth to which Reyes had perjured herself <laughs> escaped me until that moment where she's in her hoodie um, talking to them and being like. Basically, yeah. shit went down, and I need to get out. Help. <laughs> also, my daughter may be in danger. Like, right. freaking awesome. Really, really. I mean, and sh- her character was so... Per- I loved hating her. She did a... Fen- the actress did a phenomenal job. Really just about as filthy as you can get as far as, you know, the justice system. Like, in the middle of problems, just covering up crap and getting more stuff exposed and trying to cover that up and getting more stuff exposed. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, so one of the things I, uh, I appreciated most was just how completely and fully, basically, how she basically accepted that she was untouchable. I'm the district attorney. You don't want to fuck with me. Oh, yeah. There was just, there was not not just like, confidence of the character there was authority and like the weight of the office behind the character yeah well and she just found it so easy to go in and threaten another whole law firm i will shut you down what and then she instantly instantly death spiraled in about half an episode literally death spiraled in about half an episode and i i have to say i have not gotten so completely happy about a character's demise as I did. I mean, it was just like a justice boner to the extreme. Although I admit it, I was actually a little surprised they went in straight up off her quite like that. Yeah. Well, as far as continuity, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised even talking that... continuity. I'm just like that. That was actually one of the moments where I was like, huh, I wasn't actually expecting them to do that. I mean, I probably should have considering they were standing in front of a giant window, but that's just me. One of my actual, like, my, my complaints, and when I mentioned earlier when the, the show kind of comes off the rails a little bit towards the end of the season, is the character of Blacksmith. Yeah. That, there, were, there was just there was so, so much little. so lead-up, and then... Yeah, so, so much lead-up, so little payoff for it. I mean, there was a, a, you know, a few-minute conversation with Karen. I, I thought the conversation was good, but then... Then Punisher ends him pretty, pretty abruptly. Is it crazy that I kind of had already suspected that guy after he was on the stand? I was I, like, I'm gonna say yes because I certainly didn't see it coming. But I mean, but I just—it wasn't like I saw it coming or anything. I just kind of thought very briefly to myself, like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if he ended up being the blacksmith and then sort of like forgot all about it? And then as soon as I saw Karen go to his house, I was like, oh, she's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, almost no payoff. And then he just sort of, Frank Castle just slams into the car that he's in with Karen and then takes him in the r- woods and shoots him. And I'm like, that, that it, it, was it? Yeah, it was anticlimactic a little bit. Very much so, yeah. But there were so many bad guys going around that, you know. No, I mean, like, I, I get I get just kind of moving forward, but that, that could also could have been something that, that got played out a little bit in the longer game, you know, didn't they didn't have to wrap everything up every season. Yeah. Also true, yes. Um, and would have been interesting to see Punisher continuing on in the search for him. I, actually, I was, I have... was going to transition there real quick, and I just, I'll throw it out there. Speaking of things that are wrapped up at the end of the season, literally. Wrapped up. 
Electra. Oh. I don't know. Well, sort of. Sort of. No, no, Mostly. I mean literally wrapped up. What's the last what's the last shot we see of Electra? Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. I went yes. for the really really That's... really really bad pun. Oh my god, guys. Okay, I'll put a screenshot of that in the show notes, but seriously, you don't it, it's not even really worth it. It's really it's so not. Bad. It's so bad. Um <laughs> If you, to, if, you, if you wanted to say something else, feel free. We'll come back to that one. I just, but, but, but while that pun was still uh, still out there and available, I couldn't pass on it. <laughs> the only other thing I was going to say is that uh, we, we've been talking about character foils, um, and one of the one of the really cool. In fact, when Karen meets the Punisher in the diner, or they she sneaks out of her hotel and they go to the diner to talk, right, and. The bad guys show up and Punisher says, get in the back. I'm going to, you know, I'm about to take these guys out. She's sitting there crying and sort of covering her mouth and sobbing um, that these guys are getting killed. And in the moment, I thought, oh, that really pisses me off that she's still so sensitive to this type of thing. And then suddenly I realized what a per what they were basically doing is they were using her as the mirror image of Punisher who doesn't care. He's shooting these guys point blank, you know, even as they're sobbing and asking him not to. Um, he's pistol whipping the one guy until he gives him the information he wants. And then Karen is the complete opposite, still sensitive to this, not desensitized at all, um, doesn't want people to die, even though she's killed someone. I really appreciated that after I gave it more than a moment's thought. Right. Okay, now, okay. now on to Electra. Yes. I'm hit and miss on Electra, and and some of this is, you know, I, it's been a long time since I've read the Frank Miller stuff, um, and Miller has Miller actually came out before this show started and said I don't like this characterization. This is not the character I created. So that I that was probably floating in the back of my head. I was hit and miss on Electra though. I didn't love her. I I think mostly I didn't like the actress, the accent, the sort of weird. But then again, that could just be directing. It, it could simply be that her sort of high and mighty attitude is, is who they wanted her to be. And it just. Well, no, I, mean, I think that's that, that that is part of the character. I mean, she's the obviously I mean, they show that she's adopted, but she's the child of the, the child of diplomats mm -hmm. and of, of very wealthy ones at that. Yeah. So, I mean, she comes from wealth and power and carries herself in such a manner. And then she also happens to have been trained by the same guy that trained Matt. By, yeah, by Stick. Stick. Oh, I hate Stick. Oh, see, I like I Stick. Just, I just, I want to like him. I really want to like him. And he just, maybe it's the fact that he always calls Matt Maddie. Well, he still, A, he still, he still views Matt as a kid. And I think, I think it shows a good distinction between Matt's actions and what Matt could be. Yes, I would agree with that. They made a lot of big deals about the fact that she kills people. I mean, she does kill them for fun, to be honest. Um, and that's very much anti the Daredevil creed. I don't, I don't know if I call it for fun, but she certainly, she is not above killing over minor things. Yeah. Right. Uh. Her, she, she doesn't require cons a lot of justification. They don't have to be really, really bad people for her to be willing to kill them. And unlike Punisher, who doesn't care if Daredevil, 
I mean, well, after that one moment where he desperately wants Daredevil to kill him, um, he doesn't necessarily want Daredevil to stoop to his level. She definitely does. She desperately wants Daredevil to come to the dark side. Yes. No, that's that's very true. I mean, I, th- I think the three of them make an interesting trio for, for sake of comparison, but I think of the three, I think she's probably my least favorite. Definitely the weakest link. Also, I, I think much in the way I felt with Batman and Superman, I think the death of Elektra, I, I think we could have waited a little bit for that one. I was hoping... Yeah. We, we we could have gone a little more comic book on that one and waited till the for the introduction of Bullseye. Bullseye that would have been, I Bullseye think that would have been more who, interesting. I, more interesting, I think, and and you know maybe that's just me looking for a little more fan service. I, I think I, it's. I'm, I would say I mean, yes, it may looking for a little more fan service, but I think, I think that would have been a very, a very uh, satisfying moment. Yes, much more satisfying than what actually happened. So the beginning of episode 13, they're standing on a roof. Daredevil and Elektra are standing on a roof and discussing how they're going to take out Nobu. So Daredevil says, our mission is simple. We find Nobu and extract him without alerting his troops. Very happily, he says this. And Elektra goes, huh, it can't be that easy. And I'm like, we simply do what? You simply find Nobu. You have no idea where he is. You extract him because yeah, like, he's like this super crazy ninja fighter and you don't alert any of his crazy ninja troops. Like, like, I mean, that's not simple. That's not easy. Like, it can't be that easy. No. It, what? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, you know, it's like walking into mortar. It's, it's simple. Right. Yeah. You just put one foot in front of the other. It's fine. Um, and then they have this, this insanely sappy good. That, sort of uh, good that was, that, that was funny. Cause that, I like, I kind of like that only cause it reminds me of like, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, like, you know, those kinds of moments, you know, when they realize they're fucked and say, all right, well, this is how we're going to meet our end and this is how we're going to meet our end. Well, it would be fine if that's what they actually ended up saying. But really what happened was Matt said, I mean, the instant he said this, I knew it was going to happen. He goes, we'll go wherever you want to go. I'll leave here, whatever. And I'm like, Matt is never going to leave Hell's Kitchen. So you have automatically met made it so that Electra has to die. And sure enough, oh, and then she said, he says, you know, I'm the one they want to kill, right? Not you. And she goes, over my dead body. And I'm like, well, fuck it. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were a little heavy-handed with that. Um, yeah, but I, I'm interested to see what happens now that she is the Black Sky um, and she's been taken Re- by the hand. Well, she, she, she was already the Black Sky. Right. Well, I'm, I guess she's gonna basically going to be forced to embrace what she is. Well, yeah, she's been being resurrected. Um, one of my favorite uh, moments the entire show, and I think this was brilliantly done, was when they find the giant fuck hole under the building. <laughs> the episode ends when Matt drops a glow, like a glow stick or something down. Episode oh, ends. Oh, it was a flashlight. It was a flashlight. It was their flashlight. Yeah. Episode ends... And then the next episode starts, the flashlight's still falling. <laughs> yes, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that was one of the best moments of the entire show for me, because it was just... But they never explained the hole. Like, I mean, I mean, we don't know. That... There was blood. 
the the next thing that you they switch to is all these people being drained completely regardless of you know their blood type just you know whatever blood doesn't matter um well because they weren't it wasn't it, it wasn't they were being drained of their blood to get whatever they were fermenting in their in they were being used as human incubators so oh, it wasn't for the okay, blood that makes itself it was for whatever's in the blood the yeah 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 um, um, and then they ended up bleeding themselves out in a bath i was like oh okay socrates it's fine yeah, and that was uh, that was inter- that was interesting. Yeah, I, I suspect we'll find out what the hole is even further, and I I'm I'm a little terrified that we're going to end up in like Daredevil Shadowland territory. But that was a, a storyline a couple years ago that was generally reviled. But we'll see. It kind of reminded me. Now well, I know you haven't seen Torchwood, but it reminded me of the the thing that ended Torchwood, where like there's this weird thing under the earth, and it reverse it stops people from dying it was very strange it was very strange in torchwood it's very strange here well i mean this was something that was alluded to in the first season too because this is the same building that that nobu and the hand absolutely had to have right so so i think that i think there is more being built here built towards but i'm just i have no idea where they're going with it yeah, this it might be interesting. Um, I like that Punisher has now painted his skull on his bulletproof vest. Now, um, is there? Do you think there's going to be any backstory on that place in the woods, like where it came from, or was that his? No, that was not. That wasn't his. That was, um, what's his fucking face? Oh yeah, that was the okay. blacksmith's. Okay. Because remember, the blacksmith is the one who attempts to kill Karen, and it, and the one who kills the DA. It was a little. It was a little further down the road, so I just assumed that it might not be on his land or something. But no, that makes a lot more sense yeah, no, than no, anything that's, I could. That's the blacksmith. Okay, cool. And yes, he did He did kill all those other people. It was good. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean it was a good season. I said I, I, I still think I like season one a little more. I've also, heard, I've also heard rumors that season three will actually be Fisk coming back and basically taking, trying to take his revenge on Nelson and Murdoch. And that could be really, really crazy and intense. I think so too, especially now that we have Punisher in the mix. Um, uh, and and there, there have already been rumors about Punisher getting his own spinoff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, John Bernthal's performance was, was I think, yes. like top two. I really liked the Punisher. I, I loved just seeing him on screen. I think that John Bernthal perfectly personified him. I loved Karen Page this season. I really, I love Will's. Honestly, it was the bad guys that they—they're always much more interesting to me. Yeah, so. uh, we got a—we got a, a, yet another little teaser for what what I think is going to be part of Iron Fist, which is Madame Gao came back for a small, <gasps> a, yes. a small, a small period because uh, I think she is—I think she's part of Iron Fist, especially after if you look at the uh, her drug packets from the first season. Her drug packets have the logo or like or have the emblem of Iron Fist's nemesis on them. Oh, excellent. And I always do like Madame Gao too. Yeah. She always comes across as very very grave, very wise, and really kind of sinister. I like it. Sinister and very in, very self assured in control. You know, she's very Oh good. yeah. She's never never flustered by anything. So any final thoughts on Daredevil? 
I think this was a solid season two. I'm really excited for season three of Daredevil. Um, more excited for season three than I was for season two after season one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to season season three. I mean, I'm I'm still really excited about the the next two Marvel ti- Marvel titles to come out, which is going to be Luke Cage, Luke Cage, and that's I think in November is when it's scheduled for, and then I think, and then well, the next one is is Iron Fist. And yes, I'm not, and I'll admit to not being a, like a long-standing Iron Fist fan, but uh, there was a a run of Iron Man a few years back that was really brilliant that that I really enjoyed. In fact, the Got news just the dropped. Character. Yeah, the, the news just dropped of the um, main female lead being cast. I think yesterday or today. So yeah, I'll well, throw I, that in the show notes too. Yeah, I'm 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 wary of that news only because uh, it was dropped on April first. Oh yeah. Hmm. So hmm. I, that just that just. It might be we'll legit. It, it, it might be legitimate. It just I am always paranoid about anything I see on April first. Yeah, same. So Tracy, what have you been into uh, this past week? Um, I watched a lot of Daredevil. I have started reading a new series of comics. Let's see, hang on one second. I'm going to grab them so I can look at them. I'm also. Let's see what else have I been. Oh, I've been. Um, I'm almost done with this book called Dead Wake on the Sinking of the Lusitania. Very cool. Um, a lot I did not know about World War One, and so it's, it focuses a lot. Now, granted, this is a historical drama, so while it is historical, um, you can definitely tell that the author is leaning towards some of the more shall we say, exciting elements. So there's a whole lot about how England is trying to. Uh, drag the U.S. into the war. And I think there's a little bit hedges on conspiracy-sounding stuff. Um, however, some of it's pretty damning. So, uh, I mean, if you, if you actually look at some of the historical records, the English were kind of conspiratorial about getting the United States into the war. Uh, like One of the things, are, I, I believe the English, the English are actually the ones who provided the Americans with the Zimmerman Telegraph. Yes, and um, while some of the stuff that he he has in there is a little bit more in that it's like um, the British may or may not have deliberately not given any protection to the Lusitania coming in with um, having destroyers escort it in the last few miles and deliberately uh, I, didn't send it through the North Sea instead or through I, the I've North al- Channel. I've also heard that I've also I've also heard that, Le- that there's potential that Lusitania was carrying some some form of m- munitions. Oh, it definitely was, actually. Um, it was carrying shrapnel and some other stuff. Yeah. Um, it, anyway, I, I think that it's, as with anything, you should finish it and then go in and do some of your own research. Um, overall, really well-written book. I'm enjoying it a lot. So Good. Um, and then the, the comic series I was talking about is called Protectors Incorporated. Um, and I have issues one through five at the moment that I got on Backstock. And I'm sort of jumping into that so it's a it's not capes it's very interesting um and i'll let you know more as i read more nice so this week uh i have not been as involved with consuming media in part because i'm trying to make consuming media easier for myself Uh, i have a large number of a large probably two or three dozen oversized graphic novels hardcover books and they're pain. I love them. They're pain in the ass to read. 
I've either got to sit on the, the kitchen table, and I've got, or I've got to lay in bed, and I've got to like move the books or lean over them to see the whole thing. So I went to Home Depot and I built myself a a stand for reading these books out of a galvanized pipe. And uh, I'll definitely I'll send some pictures to Tracy so I can put in the show notes. Cost me more than I wanted it to. But I have pretty much what I want. Like, so the, like, I, I could have used like an art easel or like this. There's certainly other options out there. But either they weren't quite what I was looking for. They didn't quite do what I wanted them to do. Because I want to be able to sit like sit on the couch and bring it close so I can see it. And, you know, like an art easel, you can only get so close, that kind of thing. Or they were like, hey, this is $400. Which Aye. is idiotic for like for like book stands. Like, yeah, I feel like I was looking like, like library supplies and whatnot. No, not helpful at all. So, so I've got this thing almost finished. I need to like clean it up and paint it and some other stuff, but I'll put some, put some pictures as is in the show notes. Uh, Becky and I also, uh, went back and watched just, you know, kind of some old, older movies that we like, uh, last night, uh, Becky was playing Disney infinity a couple nights ago. And Merlin from the Sword in the Stone was in it. I was like, man, I haven't watched that in like ten years. So we so we threw that in. That was fun. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, the, just the old old Disney animation is a lot of fun. And then uh, I made her watch uh, Star Trek: First Contact, which Very is Very cool. Yeah, it's one of the probably the probably the best of the next gen films. So good good times. And uh, dude is in town, so I'm spending some quality time with him. So I haven't I have not seen him. Obviously, you know, we talk fairly regularly and he's obviously been a, been joining us as a co-host here but uh, I haven't seen him in over a year since he moved so uh, we're hanging out some and whatnot so yeah awesome times. awesome well I think um, just going on what we have lined up for podcasts in the next couple of weeks by the time I have come back I will have watched all of Lord of the Rings again because I do that annually on my birthday so I always watch the extended editions and I have the blu-rays now so I get to watch them in high def. Yeah, those are nice. Uh, yeah. I've had them on Blu-ray for a little while. So, All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforeigeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Make sure you uh, join us, uh, listen to the podcast, join us, and uh, you know, leave us reviews. Absolutely. So once again, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And you have been listening to Therefore I Geek.